It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Hope you had a sensational weekend. We are back in action today in a historic day as we have the vaccine. We got the Abraham Accords. We got the president of the United States, the the electoral colleges challenges and everything else that comes along with that. This hour, we're going to be joined by legal guru Jonathan Turley, uh, George Washington University law professor, just on with us. I was able to speak to the president over the weekend at the Army-Navy game. It was the first time he spoke on camera to anyone since November 3rd. He spoke to Maria. He called into Maria's show two Sundays ago. Uh, but we'll have some of those highlights of that conversation. It lasted 13 minutes. And then he went out to the Army-Navy game, which I, uh, he had a great time. Uh, reportedly, and I'd like to add to that too. So at noon today, they will certify this election. What does that mean uh, for the president's legal challenges? He just made it clear it is not over. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. What you have is a situation today where the Bidens have repeatedly lied to the media, and the media doesn't care. They don't want to catch them in the lies. They don't want to pursue the lies. That is uh, Peter Schweitzer, who wrote the book two years ago that details everything that's now out. And it was actually out in the fall before the election, but the media ignored it. The Hunter Biden investigation heats up. Other outlets suddenly confirm what we all knew all along. This is not about Hunter only. It is about the Biden family and goes to Joe. Number two. We've proven it, but no judge has had the courage, including the Supreme Court. I am so disappointed in them. No judge, including the Supreme Court of the United States, has had the courage to allow it to be heard. The Supreme Court, all they did is say, we don't have standing. The Trump legal fight slams into a brick wall today at 12 noon when the Electoral College certifies the November 3rd results, declaring Joe Biden the winner. What he told me Saturday, what Stephen Miller just told us on Fox and Friends now, because he believes that Joe Biden is an illegitimate winner. Number one. Make no mistake. Distribution has begun. Right now, boxes are being packed and loaded with vaccine with emphasis on quality control. We expect 145 sites across all the states to receive vaccine on Monday. Uh, that's Gustav Perna, the chief operating officer, the general uh, with the Operation Warp Speed that deserves all the credit that we're at the point we're at today. The vaccine is rolling to the rescue in America. Who will get it and when? Yes, and many Americans will not get it. Why are so many now becoming anti-vaxxers and why lockdowns are irrational, only magnifying the pain and are ratcheting up the anger towards panicky politicians. So this is pretty cool. And I thought that in my head. If I'm covering this, and I was able to come in over the weekend uh, to talk about my interview with the president, I would have had those trucks rolling. It's exciting to see the lift. It was exciting to see the, uh, the pallets of the vaccine rolling out in the dry ice into trucks and then from those trucks on the road with U.S. Marshals surrounding them, getting it to planes and the planes onto the ground into other trucks and then to hospitals. It's in NYU here, Langone Medical Center. It takes a lot of planning. There are trackers on them to make sure they get to where they belong. They will know when the shots go in people's arms. Exciting, I believe. General Gustav Perna. 
Cut to. Make no mistake, distribution has begun. Right now, boxes are being packed and loaded with vaccine with emphasis on quality control. We expect 145 sites across all the states to receive vaccine on Monday, another 425 sites on Tuesday, and the final 66 sites on Wednesday, which will complete the initial delivery of the Pfizer orders for vaccine. So what they want is health care workers, then long-term care facility workers, and those in long-term care facility, those patients. What they could have done ahead of time, I understand, according to the experts, is get their permission slips done so they know exactly who's going to get them. My hope is, and I'm not a doctor, but I've got measles, I got the polio vaccine, you get the mumps vaccine. We get this all our whole lives. And now you have to feel medicine is accelerated to the point we should feel even better about it. Cut four. We'll be getting CVS and Walgreens vaccinating our nursing home people. Almost 100% of our nursing homes have signed up with that program for a turnkey vaccination operation. And you know what's amazing? Well, when is will by that Chris, start? It can start really any day. The vaccines are going out as soon as they receive vaccine. Uh, this is according to the governors telling us to ship to them. We could have every nursing home patient vaccinated in the United States by Christmas. Wow. How amazing would that be? I know they said they can do it in Florida. Gallup poll shows 63 percent will take this shot. Thirty seven percent said no. Over the summer, they asked the hospital workers in Miami-Dade. Forty nine percent said they won't take it. These excuse me, nurses. And in New Jersey this summer, in August, they asked area New Jersey nurses. Fifty percent they won't take it. So I don't understand if nurses don't trust it. They see the people dying. They see that we don't necessarily have a therapeutic to stop it. I don't understand that. And I'm just going to go with what the poll says. We're all very skeptical about polls. But I want to get what you, what you, how you feel about it. one 408 Here's Dr. Stephen Hahn. He, uh, he's the FDA commissioner. Cut five. That is a significant problem. I mean, if, if you think about how we get out of this pandemic, um, we have to continue our mitigation efforts right now. That is so important, mask wearing, et cetera. But the way we see light at the end of the tunnel, the way we get through this is to achieve herd immunity. And that means we need to vaccinate a significant number of people in this country, including those who are hesitant. Listen, I'm not going to put your recommend anything to you. I'm taking it in two seconds. If you ask me, I'm taking it. You know, so to me, it's the way out of it. And then if Southwest Airlines or United Airlines or, or American says you can only fly with it, or if you want to go see Thomas Red concert and they say the only people that can go in are people who are vaccinated because I can't get insurance because of it. Just know those are the ramifications, and no one's being punitive. They're just being practical. That's the same way you need liability insurance to get people back into their offices. I don't want, if, you, if your company's more productive with you there, they just can't take the risk of you turning around and suing them if you get the virus. Still finding out a lot about the virus. So if they do basic protocols that should be federally mandated, basic protocols, if they do that, there should be liability insurance. That's what the Republicans are holding out for. Democrats said they shouldn't do that. It's anti-worker. To me, it's if I want to be pro-worker and get back to work and start hiring people, that to me is a recipe for doing that. If you give two people too much unemployment, they're not going to work. That is anti-business, not anti-worker. You, just got, you, you don't have a pro-worker mentality without jobs. 
You could be all pro-worker. If you're not working, what good is it? I'm a member of a union, but my union doesn't call me anymore. That doesn't do any good. You're paying dues and not doing anything. So we'll talk about that and how the need to get out of Washington this week with $900 billion roughly should get us through April 1st. I want to see that. I want you to tell me what you like to see happen. The other big story is I had a chance to talk to the president about this over the weekend at West Point. He is convinced he won. And he's convinced the mail-in ballots are the beginning of the end of him. Cut 15. Do you worry about the country being divided as if it goes to inauguration and they still feel that way and you still feel that way? No, I worry about the country having an illegitimate president. That's what I worry about. A president that lost and lost badly. This wasn't like a close election. Uh, You look at Georgia. We won Georgia big. We won Pennsylvania big. Uh, We won Wisconsin big. We won it big. Well, I I don't know if he won it big. Uh, He feels like he won it big. Without the mail-in ballots, I think it's a totally different election. Uh, I am not Nostradamus. I don't know what would have happened without mail-in ballots. Obviously, without the pandemic, Joe Biden doesn't get close. He probably doesn't get the nomination. He's a terrible candidate, terrible campaign, terrible speaker, didn't get any crowds. If they were able to get crowds, you would have seen it. They could have had Jay-Z and Bruce Springsteen, and I still don't think they've got crowds, just like Hillary couldn't get crowds with LeBron James in Cleveland while he was playing for the Cavaliers, by the way. So there's a lot of Republicans that back the president thoroughly. But afternoon today, I'm not sure how many he's going to have in his camp. On January 5th, I'm not sure how many are going to be there because that's the day that the vice president's in there and he gavels in the result. Cut 18 is Chris Christie, who was the first to endorse the president, but he has no patience for the president's legal team. Cut 18. I was disappointed that the president lost, and I understand the disappointment in the party among some people for losing that election. But we need to face the facts. Elections have consequences. And in the same way Democrats were horribly disappointed by Donald Trump's victory four years ago over Hillary Clinton um, in, in in what was actually a closer election than this one from a popular vote perspective and the same margin uh, from an electoral college perspective, Republicans now need to say, thank you, Mr. President, for your service. Thank you for the good things you did while you were in office that we agree with. And we now need to move on to make sure that we're stating Republican principles that matter to the people of this country, which, by the way, Martha, they supported in very large numbers. So in my impression of talking to the president is that he thoroughly, it's not that he's a bad loser. He does not think he lost. And I was able to speak to him one time prior, and he said to me, Brian, if I lost, I would just say I lost. You know, whatever reason you want to give, and I'll give right reasons. I would have just said I lost. But I didn't lose this. And he just convinced he didn't lose it. And it goes back to it. Jimmy Carter and Jim Baker warned us of in 2000. Don't do mail-in ballots. There's too many questions. It's too easy to subvert them. So regardless of what you think, I'm going to tell you with these polls, every poll given has basically the same thing. 34% of of Republicans don't think the election was legitimate. Only 18% of Trump Trump supporters thinks he lost. 75% of Republicans says it's not over. And 62% say it is over. Uh, overall in the country. So 75% of those that are Republicans say this is not over. Keep fighting, Mr. President. What is your take? one 866 I'll go into detail on the legal case and, uh, and Hunter Biden with Jonathan Turley shortly, but I don't want to take all your time uh, from your phone calls coming up next. Uh, so we'll do that as well as monitor breaking activity that's happening in New York. Uh, the Northeast is going to get slammed by a storm, so they're readying for that. And we'll also know that we need an aid package 
And Chuck Schumer says they should stay in town through Christmas to do that. We come back. Your calls. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Busy Monday. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com, or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. We'll be getting CVS and Walgreens vaccinating our nursing home people. Almost 100% of our nursing homes have signed up with that program for a turnkey vaccination operation. And you know what's amazing? Well, when is will by that Chris, start then? By, it, it can start really any day. The vaccines are going out as soon as they receive vaccine. Uh, this is according to the governors telling us to ship to them. We could have every nursing home patient vaccinated in the United States by Christmas. Well, that's pretty. That's uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services, uh, Azar. And he was just talking about the vaccinations, which are rolling out over the weekend. And in New York, we're just watching Northwell Health, where 
Uh, the it's a split screen. Uh, Governor Cuomo watching a healthcare worker, Jennifer Lindsay, get a shot in the arm. Uh, that just happened moments ago. So the vaccinations of Americans has begun across the country in multiple locations. Uh, would you take it? I'm in. Uh, what about you, Patrick? Listening on WOKV in Jacksonville, Patrick. Hi, Brian. Hey, what's in your mind? Yes. Hey, I wanted to comment earlier uh, on the Miami healthcare workers that uh, only felt confident to, you know, the tune of 49 percent. My wife is a nurse uh, near Jacksonville, and the reason why they don't feel confident in taking it is many feel like they've already got the virus because they weren't protected uh, in caring for the the patients in the hospitals. Interesting. So So they had the antibodies already. That's what they think. I mean, my wife isn't going and taking the, you know, the antibody test, but, you know, her and a lot of her colleagues felt like they already got sick back in December and January. So why would they risk, uh, you know, taking the vaccine? So you think that's most of the cases that the nurses got it or is just just I mean, I can't I can't speak for all of them. I can only speak for my wife and how she feels. Good point. You know, but maybe they should say that. Maybe they should say, I have the antibodies or they should take it. Because if they don't believe it's, people look to nurses more than doctors. Uh, so, and in many cases. So, some, you know, if they don't take it, people say, well, I'm, I'm not taking it either. So, uh, Rich is in Cocoa Beach, Florida. Hey, Rich. Hey, Brian. How are you doing? Good morning. Good. What's on your mind? Uh, basically, I wanted to mention, you know, how um, the folks who are Democrats that voted and, uh, you know, how the elections do have consequences. Well, sooner or later, there's going to be something that they don't like, and they're going to have to swallow that pill, and they'll be like, wow, did I really vote for that? Ooh. You know what I mean? So that's just my point on things. You don't always get what you want, you know? Oh, believe me, the Democrats are going to regret uh, putting Joe Biden in place. So already tearing each other's eyes out because he's not putting people in place that he said he would. You know, it's been 33 days. Black Lives Matter has asked a meeting with him. He has not given it to him. Do you know he wanted to defund the police? He he just uh, in a Zoom call revealed he's not going to do anything until after January 5th. Uh, because that's that Georgia election, which is so cynical, and we should understand what we voted for. He's no moderate. I'm telling you right now, he's no moderate. you got to get back in the Paris Pizza Accord. you want to get back in the Iranian deal that even Democrats didn't vote for, that was finally bringing the Middle East together because we stood up against terror and evil, which is the Iranian regime. That's what people are voting for, because you don't like Donald Trump's tone. Or maybe you don't like Donald Trump. But, man, the policies were working for America. Grace, you're listening in York, Pennsylvania. Hey, Grace. Good morning, Brian. Uh, This is Grace. I'm 76 years old, and I'm wondering if the doses that are going out to nursing home residents or the health care workers, if they refuse them, how are they going to divvy up the rest of the doses to seniors, uh, you know, in my situation? Uh, Because I don't trust, you know, the governor of Pennsylvania, you know, and who's going to be an accounting exactly where these doses, you know, have been and how many they have left and so forth. I think the government is going to track every single vial. And if they're if they're stuck, let's say they're having problems in one state, they're going to go and unstick it. But if you you know, Grace, if you were in a nursing home, and I'm glad you're not. If you were in a nursing home. They wouldn't make you take it. So they're going to have those extra vials in dry ice. They'll have to take it somewhere else. So there's protocols for it. I imagine they know how to do that. So, um, so do you know what seniors, you know, at my age, you know, are going to be, you know, in what group and are they going to be giving it to politicians or families? 
you know, how do we know what kind of, you know, scenario they're going to use there? I have not pumped out, but I think it's on your government we- uh, website because this is what I pulled out of New York's website. Healthcare workers, okay. long-term, care, uh, long-term care facilities workers, second. Then most at-risk long-term facility patients, phase two. First responders, teachers, public health workers, other essential frontline workers. Phase three, individuals over 65. Individuals so under... Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Roe. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Yeah, so you, if you were in New York, you'd be phase three, which I think adds up to January. Uh, phase four, all other essential workers. Phase five, health health adults and children. Uh, healthy adults and children, I should say. So I, I, I think kids should be last. I mean, they're the least susceptible. and We know a little bit, uh, you know, we don't know. They didn't, there were no kids in that study. So uh, 100 million shots by the end of February. One in uh, and one, according to CNBC, one in five will not take it. I'm in. What about you? Uh, so I appreciate it. So hopefully you'll go on your website and you'll see because to me, uh, what governor won't put this front and center? Help is on the way. When we come back, Jonathan Turley's on his way. The president of the United States is not quitting when it comes to fighting for this election. He thoroughly believes it was taken from and stolen from him. When the text, when the Supreme Court refused to take the Texas case, they said they didn't have standing. A lot of people thought the president was done. He's not. He's going to keep fighting. And they're going to also uh, go fighting through noon today when the Electoral College certifies. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show as those get vaccinated around the country. We'll go live to them. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Jonathan Turley said that uh, he had no choice. He, he would have been like, he would have been like uh, James Comey again. All he had to do is say an investigation's going on. And by the way, I don't want to see anything bad happen to Hunter Biden. Whatever it is, it is the facts. But I don't want to see anything bad happen to Hunter Biden. And I purposely stay out of it. But when you affect an election, Bill Barr, frankly, did the wrong thing. When they are saying things, making statements, and the press is purposely not reporting it, Bill Barr, I believe, not believe, I know, had an obligation to set the record straight. So, Jonathan Turley, I'm sorry for bringing you into this, but I'm going to bring you back into this. <laughs> uh, as George Washington University law professor, uh, welcome. Um, I know how you felt that you thought William Barr did the stand-up thing, not telling anyone that Hunter Biden was being investigated, but couldn't that have affected the impeachment and the election? Frankly, I don't think it would have. I testified at the impeachment. The Democrats would have said, well, this is just simply a tax affairs investigation and there's no charges. So in addition to violating a host of DOJ rules and practices, I actually don't think that it would have been as successful as the president suggests in changing 
the narrative unless he also expected Barr to go into all of the details and start revealing evidence. So if Barr simply said, well, there's an investigation in the field, many of us were already writing about that. Today on your show, Jim Jordan I said, well, we all knew there was an investigation during the election. And that was true. The problem was the media was in the back for Biden, and they just refused to cover it, and they would have continued to do that. I, uh, I, I guess so. It just seemed, you know, you could understand the frustration and the analogy he brought up about Bob Mueller. He said Mueller came out when he started an incorrect press report and said that's not true. Why couldn't William Barr called him, had a mulligan and just said, okay, I got to just say that there is an investigation and there is some truth to this. Yeah, that's not a very good uh, analogy because what Mueller did was uh, make a public statement in an investigation that was already obviously quite public. It was actually already largely completed. He was preparing his final report, and what he disclosed dealt with effectively a dead case. It was not the investigation. It was the Cohen case, which which tangentially involved his office. And Cohen had already pled guilty. So what happened is BuzzFeed ran a false story that the president told Cohen to lie to Congress. And Mueller's people were watching this unfold, including Democratic members and legal experts saying you should impeach uh, Trump on this. And so Mueller's office said that was not part of the Cohen case. We did not have that evidence. So it was very different from what we're talking about here. There are longstanding principles that you do not disclose an ongoing investigation, and you certainly don't do it shortly before an election. And that's been honored for virtually our entire history of the Department of Justice. And Bill Barr did the right thing. And what's interesting is that the way that Barr did it actually is a nightmare for Joe Biden, because before the election, various Democratic senators were calling for the Biden Justice Department to shut down these investigations. What Barr did is made it virtually impossible to do that. But if he had done what the president wanted, the Democrats would have said, well, you just pulled a Comey, and they would have pulled the plug on these investigations the second they came into office. Interesting. Uh, it's a, that's the scenario how you see it playing out. Uh, so Hunter Biden, this is some of the stories that we we covered, you wrote about. We knew this was in the emails that was on that laptop. We knew some of the uh, Freedom of Information Act requests from Tom Fitton's company was coming forward. Now everyone's acting like this is new stuff, but I'll pretend it's new. Hunter Biden requested uh, Hunter Biden requested keys for his new office mates of Joe Biden, a Chinese emissary, and Jill Biden. He wanted to get them all keys to an office for this Chinese business deal that he had set up when he was a civilian. He also wanted to get keys for his uncle Jim Biden. So as the, we look into this, we also know that Hunter Biden failed to disclose $400,000 in Burisma payments in 2014 tax returns. The Burisma people told him, this guy, Eric Schwinn, in a 2017 email, uh, said, make sure your tax returns reflect the unreported Burisma income. So we see all this money flowing back and forth, and we see Joe Biden's name in it. We hear Tony Bobulinski said they met with him. And that he was thought to be the big guy in a series of transactions that could be ten million dollars. What do you? What kind of? Where do you go with this investigation? Well, there's a lot of places to go. The question is, will they go there? The the, the role of the media in this has been disgraceful for years. Some of us have been writing about the Hunter Biden story, 
in, in talking about some of this evidence, and we've been denounced by the media. It wasn't just that they weren't reporting. They were actually attacking those of us who were saying, hey, there is significant stuff here. This was clearly from the beginning an influence peddling scheme by Hunter Biden and his uncle, the brother of Joe Biden. But that laptop really ramped it up. And at the time, I wrote a column saying, look at the subpoena on the laptop. Those serial numbers are, are quite recognizable for criminal defense counsel because we deal with them all the time. And they were that was a coded serial number for things like international money laundering. So at the time, I wrote a column saying, look, he's clearly under investigation. Um, but the media, of course, had this blackout. But that, that laptop talks about the issues you just mentioned. But they also talk about things like a $5 million unsecured loan that would be given to the Biden family, not anyone in particular, not for any particular use, an unsecured loan of $5 million coming from a company run by the Chinese government, its state-owned company, that is not even secured. And so the media just refused to cover that. It was, it was unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Brian Johnson did a report, 87 pages. Here's a little of it. Cut 29. Let's face it. Vice President Biden has not been honest with the American public. He, he had to know about uh, Hunter Biden's uh, business uh, financial foreign entanglements, and particularly China. He shook hands with uh, Jonathan Lee, one of his business partners. Now we found out that you know, Hunter Biden wrote an, an email to his landlord uh, asking for keys for Joe Biden, uh, James Biden, uh, Gangwon Dong. The, the signage was supposed to reflect Hudson West, which was the CEFC USA uh, subsidiary. Now, CEFC, that's that Chinese company, it was taken over by the state in 2018. Its chairman just disappeared, uh, Yi Jianming. Uh, this is the individual that had ties to the Communist Party of China as well as the People's Liberation Army. And what happened is he gave Hunter Biden $2.8 million diamond, which they also want him to pay taxes on. That disappeared. This is, it sounds crazy, but it's all back. It's not an opinion. No, it's not. And what's what's uh, uh, the reason this is so unbelievable of how this was successfully buried by the media is that you start with something that literally nobody has contested. I've been writing about it for almost three years. No one has challenged me on saying that this was clearly an influence peddling scheme from the beginning. Right. It was it was evident that the only thing that that was being sold by Hunter Biden is access and influence. And the argument, the only argument put up was, well, that's not a crime. Well, it might not be, but it's certainly wrong, but it could be a crime. And when you look at the laptop emails, you can see why. There's millions of dollars being discussed. And clearly it seems that some of that money was transferred because it appears from that those serial numbers and the subpoena and some other evidence that um, this triggered international mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, sort of systems that spot suspicious transactions. And so it does appear that in the course of this money being transferred from the Chinese to the states, it tripped wires internationally. And that seems likely how the Justice Department got involved.
So listen to this. This backs up, well, other media outlets ignoring it. Now they can't ignore it because Hunter Biden's confirmed he's being investigated two separate ways, international and domestic, one in Manhattan. Uh, You said Pittsburgh, but I also saw in uh, another state, I believe, of uh, Washington, Delaware, excuse me. So I want you to hear how, okay, here it gets on This Week with George Stephanopoulos, Martha Raddatz filling in, cut 28. I want to quickly get to this Hunter Biden investigation. Uh, the president has, has not yet named an AG, but he's clearly furious with Bill Barr right now after the Wall Street Journal reported that Barr knew about this investigation of taxes into Hunter Biden. There's no proof of anything done wrong yet. We should make that clear. No proof of anything done wrong yet. Let's make that clear. Just make it a casual <laughs> mention. How could this not be a story? The would-be president-elect's son could have financial dealings with China that links back to his dad. How could that not be the first or the second story? No, and that the, the astonishing thing is there's a long history of the Biden family of influence peddling. The uncle openly advertised himself as access to his brother <laughs> it, it, it wasn't what what most you know sensible uh, you know crooks do is they just do that word of mouth and say you know keep in mind i have access to my brother he actually put it in his bio <laughs> so that anyone who wanted to cash in could actually contact him and also remember joe biden helped engineer putting hunter on the board of amtrak and it was such a ludicrous appointment that even the person who Joe had nominate his son made a joke about it and basically said, yeah, he's qualified because he takes trains a lot. And it shows how in Washington influence peddling is a joke, but it also shows how the Biden family has long used public positions to benefit themselves. Wow. I can't wait for it to get started if, in fact, uh, Donald Trump doesn't have a way to un- un- upend it. So what do you think the president is uh, the president's going to do today? He's going to try to seat his own set of electors, according to Stephen Miller? Yeah, that's what we talked about in the past, the sort of the Death Star strategy I wrote about. That It seemed to me a few weeks ago that they were laying the foundation for a sort of muscle play on the floor of of Congress to send con- uh, conflicting sets of electors or to contest the official sets of electors and then force a vote. It's very hard to make that shot work. You can you can get one senator and one House member that's required to raise an objection to Vice President Pence. He then rules on the matter. And by the way, it's not clear that Pence would actually rule in favor of Trump on this. You know, he could very well in his final act say enough. But if he rules for Trump, it then goes to a vote of both houses. And I honestly don't see how mm. they have the votes. I don't think they would. They, I think they would, would lose a number of Republicans on that. So I thought this was over before I talked to the president. Then I was watching Rudy Giuliani Saturday on Fox and Friends weekend and said, listen, here's what he's going to do. Cut 22. Well, I think, that, you know, the strongest piece of evidence are the 1,000 affidavits from all different witnesses in six different states that all basically say the same thing. They go anywhere from one act of voter fraud to uh, 50,000 acts of voter fraud. Then you have the uh, statistical analysis of the machines that are done by experts that say they couldn't possibly have produced that number of ballots in that period of time. You have the 700,000 ballots in, in, uh, in Pennsylvania of mail 
mail-in ballots that were sent in but never sent out. In other words, they were made up. You have uh, 60,000 dead, dead people voting in, uh, in, one, in one state. You have 40,000 dead people voting in another state. You have uh, people who aren't uh, citizens in, uh, voting in Arizona, more than enough citizens that goes way beyond the margin of, of victory. I mean, just think about that alone. So, Jonathan, he seems to have a lot of examples of cases, but when he gets in front of a judge, they don't seem to be getting anywhere. Well, that's because there's often a disconnect in, in what is being said outside the courtroom and what is being said inside. You know, in the Pennsylvania case, the court went out of its way to tell the public, just for you to know, while they were arguing fraud outside of our courthouse, we asked specifically, are you alleging fraud? And they said no. And so, um, unfortunately, these are claims that have been raised in, in front of over 50 courts, uh, and they have been rejected, including by Republicans. And that doesn't mean that a case still can't be made. It's just very unlikely. But what people should be really cautious about is this argument that everyone's part of a grand conspiracy. You know, recently someone even at a rally said Fox News is part of the conspiracy. You know, when Fox News, the Trump appointees to the Supreme Court, um, Republican judges, Republican leaders, all part of a conspiracy, you begin to say, wait, hold it. You know, there's a difference between what you hear in a legal argument and what you hear from some crazy guy on a subway train. Because that's where we're getting, if that is the theory, that there's this grand conspiracy. Jonathan, thanks for taking my call on Saturday and putting up with us here today on Monday, too. You really were a huge help. Truly appreciate it. My great pleasure. Thanks, Brian. Go get him. Uh, we come back. Your phone calls one 408 7669 Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. President-elect Joe Biden has emphasized his commitment to vaccine distribution by promising 100 million shots in 100 days, which is also his Botox routine. All right. Uh, There is a funny part of SNL, and and I'll tell you, this is the first time I've last really since uh, Will Ferrell's been on the show. And that was uh, the Newsmax, Sportsmax situation. We're going to play it at a different point, maybe post it. Uh, all right, so let's go to the phones right now. Terry, listening in uh, Lake City, Florida. Hey, Terry. You, it's funny you spoke about Saturday Night Live because I watched it, and it's the first time I've ever seen Bruce Springsteen get booed. <laughs> I did not see that. He got booed? He got booed both times, both songs. At the end, they booed him. I wonder but, why. Uh, Back to my point, though, I wanted to say that uh, have you ever seen a unification of the people ever, even after a supposed loss? I think President Trump is producing record crowds that he's not even organizing. Seventy-four million people are don't want him to concede, and we're going to continue to fight for him. I know the number is overwhelming. Seventy-seven percent of Trump voters want him to keep fighting. Right. And Biden is naive if he doesn't think the fix is in on on him by his own party. I really think they truly want Kamala Harris as president. 
A couple of things. I always said that the minute the Hunter Biden makes the front page of the New York Times, because this is an old story. Do you realize there's nothing new that's come out? Do you realize this was all in the emails that were published in the New York Times, published in the New York Post and FoxNews.com that we covered on our show? So I always said that this is how you might be right. This story is not about his son. It's about his family. And his son, and it's not fair to him, it seems, obviously with addiction issues, is out there taking all the pressure, all the slings and arrows, earning money for the rest of the family. And uh, the amount of pressure he's under, and as his partners goes to jail, and as this link goes back to his dad, maybe Democrats aren't going to run to his defense. Thanks so much for the call. My thing is, if you're going to defend the president, you got to tell me where it is. It's like, I know we're better than that team, but they outscored us. Well, how did they outscore you? What did you do wrong? How do you fix it? So that's what he's got to do. A lot of people think Al Gore, you know, was the winner. But he didn't outscore George Bush. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. This hour, we're going to be joined by Michael Goodwin. Okay, any minute. And then we're going to hear from Donald Trump. I had a chance to speak to him. It was the first interview that the president has done since November 3rd's election. He has done an interview with Maria, but that was on telephone. We, first time we got a chance to talk. He was kind enough to talk to me before the Army-Navy game. I'm the only interview, and we talked for 13 minutes. We're going to play it, and you're going to hear it all its entirety. It has not even been heard like this on television yet. So we're coming to you from New York, where the vaccine has landed. NYU Langone, if you were the place at Northwell, it's very exciting. This fantastic news, and uh, it's very exciting here. But it's actually very sad and disheartening, because today is the day they also shut off indoor dining. Knocked it to outdoors. Bad news. We're going to hit by 10 inches of snow. Not sure how good the outdoor dining is going to be. Number two, only 1% of all the cases are from dining, indoors, bars and restaurants. But they did it anyway. Idiots. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. What you have is a situation today where the Bidens have repeatedly lied to the media. And the media doesn't care. They don't want to catch them in the lies. They don't want to pursue the lies. Uh, That is Peter Schweitzer. He's had the Hunter Biden story for two years. The investigation's heating up, and outlets are suddenly confirming what we all knew, that Hunter's being investigated from multiple angles. We'll talk about it. Number two. We've proven it, but no judge has had the courage, including the Supreme Court. I am so disappointed in them. No judge, including the Supreme Court of the United States, has had the courage to allow it to be heard. The Supreme Court, all they did is say, we don't have standing. The Trump legal team slams into a brick wall today at noon when the Electoral College certifies the November 3rd results, declaring Joe Biden the winner. What he told me Saturday are his next steps because he is not stopping. He believes Joe Biden an illegitimate winner. Number one. Make no mistake, distribution has begun. Right now, boxes are being packed 
and loaded with vaccine with emphasis on quality control. We expect 145 sites across all the states to receive vaccine on Monday. That is General Perna. He's the chief uh, chief operating officer, man aware and camouflage for Operation Warp Speed. The vaccine is rolling to the rescue in America. Who will get it and when? Yes, many Americans won't, and I don't know why. And the lockdowns that are hurting so many people, so many businesses who might be down for the count. With that, let's bring in New York Post's own and Fox News contributor himself, Michael Goodwin. Uh, Michael, an exciting day on one count. Exciting because to me, and this is my akin to after 9-11, I couldn't wait for al-Qaeda to get it back. And when we were mobilized and began getting on the ground in Afghanistan, I felt a sense of relief. I feel a similar relief today as the vaccine begins to roll out, but the journey will be long. Uh, good morning, Brian. Yes, I think that's a that's a good comparison. Um, of course, the, the number of dead from COVID is, um, you know, what, uh, vastly, vastly higher than 9-11. Nonetheless, the sense that the country has been shaken by this and, and now the cavalry in the form of a vaccine is arriving is certainly um, an uplifting day and should be. I mean, I, I have to say, I'm, I'm, I don't get all of this skepticism about the vaccine. Neither do I. Uh, it, it, it's kind of bizarre, but, but I think that's just something about the, about the way American society is operating now is we don't trust anybody. Um, and sometimes that's understandable and good, but I think you have to keep your eyes open and, and your brain working because what, what is there to be afraid of here? I mean, this thing has been rigorously tested. Uh, I think something like 30,000 people in each of the different tests, uh, which is a very large number. Uh, the incidence of anybody getting it is almost zero uh, in in terms of the COVID uh, prevention. So it, it seems to me, I mean, I, I'll happily take a vaccine. I, I think I think the whole country uh, would be wise to do that, uh, absent some new finding about allergies or whatever. But so far, it seems to me just paranoia not to not to accept this. By the way, can I, can I read you some headlines? March 4th. Fact-checking Trump's accelerated timeline for a coronavirus. Not true. CNN, August 7th. Will there be a coronavirus vaccine by November? Fact-check Trump again overstates speed of COVID-19 vaccine rollout. NPR, this uh, contradicting the CDC, Trump says COVID-19 vaccine could be ready by the end of the year. CNBC, October 22nd. President Trump says COVID-19 vaccine will be coming by the end of the year, despite contrary reports. He was right on every level. In fact, he believes it should have come out in October. And you, wa- I watched those Sunday shows. I watched the other channels. They are saluting the medical field. I get it. Salute the doctors. Salute biotech. But how could you not salute the president? They just avoided the whole thing. Yeah. The New York Times the other day had a headline about the, the first British person getting the vaccine. And then the subheadline was about Biden and his 100 million doses in 100 days. Uh, they, left, they left out Trump. Uh, were it not for President Trump, we would not have this vaccine now. There's no question. But, Brian, I, and I think the way he mobilized the government and the industry and kept pushing and kept pushing, I think it's, it's really a, a good example of how he governed as president. Uh, he got things done by pushing. He didn't just make a suggestion. And his way of, of governing 
has proved very effective in certain cases. I mean, go back to the Islamic State. Uh, you know, o Obama tolerated it. They did a kind of circling of it in, in hopes that they would wear it down and cut off its supplies. Trump said, let's kill them. Let's break it up. Let's smash them. And that's what he did. Uh, so y you just have an example of leadership. A lot of people talked about the unfair trade deals with Mexico and China and others. The president did something about it. Uh, so he was a, he was a, a, a president of action. He, you know, he's, his words were not always clear. He said a lot of things he probably shouldn't have said. But when it came to action, when it came to getting big things done, Donald Trump got big things done. And for the American people, and I think the people who are still in the streets protesting for him, it is much about it is as much about uh, that record of getting things done as it is about uh, any perceived election irregularities. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the 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 support for President Trump is based on his record, and it's a record of achievement and action. Of course, there are mistakes. Of course, there were failures. But that, that's true of every president. What's not true of every president is this kind of success on big-ticket items. Here is what he told me yesterday uh, about the risk of going—I asked him if there was a risk of, of lengthening, the, uh, of stringing this out, cut 15. Do you worry about the country being divided as if it goes to inauguration and they still feel that way and you still feel that way? No, I worry about the country having an illegitimate president. That's what I worry about. A president that lost and lost badly. This wasn't like a close election. Uh, you look at Georgia. We won Georgia big. We won Pennsylvania big. Uh, we won Wisconsin big. We won it big. He's been unable to prove that. Yeah. And I think that's the that's the fly in the ointment. I mean, you you can keep saying it, but if you can't prove it, uh, and I thought Andy McCarthy's piece on the uh, on on the uh, case that, that came that he wrote about it was just devastating that the that the lawyers have really overpromised what they would deliver to the courts. And this was the Wisconsin case, as I recall. And the judge basically said, we'll have a hearing. We'll, we'll expedite it. We'll, we'll let you put on your case. And they, they seemed to have folded and not offered the evidence they said they had. Um, so it, it is somewhat mystifying. I mean, I, look, you and I both know the president somewhat, Brian. Um, you know, he, he's a man of, of conviction. Uh, he believes what he believes. Um, but I think the, the, you know, the art of the deal in this case is getting is showing the public and convincing the public. And a lot of the people, I think, who who instinctively believe him are quite sincere. And he may himself be quite sincere in believing this. I think he is. He is. But the facts you, you need to persuade others. You need to persuade the public. You need to persuade the courts. But he has his and people. Seventy-seven percent of his people say he should keep fighting. Yes, I, I understand that. And 36 percent, according to the Fox poll, of all voters think the election was stolen. Um, as I wrote in my Sunday column, um, I, th I think you can say, OK, if it's stolen, who stole it? And, and I say it's like the murder on the Orient Express, the book and the movie, uh, where everybody has a motive, 
and the great Hercule Poirot, the, the fiction fiction uh, detective Agatha Christie created, uh, discovers that not only did everybody have a motive, everybody participated in the murder. And I think we, if you look at the, the, the election through those eyes, you have you have uh, the deep state, you have big media, big tech. Uh, of course, you have the Democratic Party. You have the supine Republicans in some states uh, helping the Democrats, in effect, uh, with their sloppy election laws. Uh, so you have a lot of suspects uh, involved in this election. And I, it, it strikes me uh, that it's too late. Right. I, too late. I, in fact, I asked him that. At the bottom of the hour, I'm going to play the whole interview or else I'd play it now. But I asked him that who did it. Uh, essentially, and, and he gives his yeah. answer. I want to, uh, if I can, I want to jog over to the Hunter Biden story. What people listening right now should understand, this isn't about the son of a president who had a tra- his mom tragically died young. Uh, as, as much as that's a fact of this case, it really is not the case. The fact of this case is Hunter Biden representing the family and the future uh, may perhaps president of the United States and how he might have been invested in everywhere from Kazakhstan to China to the Ukraine to Romania, benefiting from deals his son did in all these countries. And I can't figure out anything his son does that's of value. Collecting money and maybe not paying taxes, spawning a huge investigation, and two of his partners to go to jail. And there's direct links in this story to Joe. Where do you think this is going to go? Well, uh, I believe that the only way we're ever going to get the whole truth or anything close to the whole truth is with a a special counsel. And I call on William Barr, the attorney general, to appoint one before the end of the Trump term. Uh, It's the only way to protect this investigation. It's now being run effectively by the Delaware U.S. attorney. Like all U.S. attorneys, he is he is uh, subject to uh, to the appointment of the president. He can be fired the day Joe Biden is inaugurated. Bill Clinton fired 93 attorneys general on inauguration day. Donald Trump fired something like 60 or 65 at some point. They are all there at the pleasure of the president, and so this investigation uh, is subject to being buried by a new Biden appointee uh, for uh, the Justice Department and for the U.S. attorney in Delaware. Now, presumably there are other cases, uh, Pittsburgh supposedly looking at stuff, but there's no question that, I mean, Hunter Biden even effectively admitted himself that he was hired because of his last name. Well, what does that mean? (laughs) They they don't want to just hang around (laughs) with Joe Biden. They wanted something from the United States of America when Joe Biden was either senator or vice president. Well, just think of the money Hunter Biden could make now that his father is going to be president. My goodness. Uh, So, look, I think a special counsel, which is not absolutely bulletproof, but which would make it very hard for uh, the incoming administration to fire a special counsel. Congress, I think, would get involved. Uh, So there are real reasons why Barr should do it. He did it for John Durham, who's investigating the 2016 spying on the Trump campaign. Uh, this, This investigation has the potential to be far more consequential than even that. And so, therefore, it deserves at least the same protection. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Michael Goodwin, exciting time. And the best news, of course, is that vaccine is rolling out. Appreciate it, Michael.
My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. All right, when we come back, your phone calls, 1-866-408-7669. And we will tell you, too, uh, you'll get to hear, for the only time, the, my interview with the President of the United States, his first one since November 3rd, face-to-face. You're with Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. That is a significant problem. I mean, if, if you think about how we get out of this pandemic, um, we have to continue our mitigation efforts right now. That is so important, mask wearing, et cetera. But the way we see light at the end of the tunnel, the way we get through this is to achieve herd immunity. And that means we need to vaccinate a significant number of people in this country, including those who are hesitant. Yeah, uh, and I'm not going to be, I'm not the medical professional. All I'm going to tell you is, when you have three former presidents who are going to do it and the current president will do it, I'm going to do it, uh, and you have a lot of other people lining up to do it, I think you have to trust in our medical system. And we've got the, we're the best in the world. We used to get polio shots. We get measles shots. We get mumps shots. That's just off the top of my head. We all get them. Sometimes people don't, but for the most part, we do. Eric, listen, WDBO in Orlando. Hey, Eric. Hey, Brian. Great show as usual. Um, I work for a major drug retailer in America, and my wife works for one of the hospital chains that is pushing this vaccine right now, and neither one of us are going to take it. Why? Um, Well, first of all, some of the people develop Bell's palsy, which my beautiful face cannot afford Bell's palsy. Um, Who who has gotten uh, Bell's palsy? Some of the some of the test patients. If uh, if you look at DuckDuckGo, because unfortunately, part of the other part of our problem is Google hides stuff. But go to DuckDuckGo and put in Bell's palsy, and you'll see a bunch of people that are testers. I mean, they tested thirty thousand with the Pfizer, but supposedly they can't like some hide that sixteen or eighteen. Eric, they well, can. Can they hide? Can we look that up? Yeah, I mean, yes, you, can. uh, you can't go hide. Look. But but they had they had people that had bad reactions. They stopped the whole study. Ask and you ask any CVS or Walgreens or any other pharmacist out there. There's never been a successful mRNA vaccine ever. This doesn't give you a dose of COVID. This alters your RNA to fight COVID. There's never been a successful one of these. You could look that up too. I mean. This is the first time I'm ever going to criticize Donald Trump. I think they rushed this too fast due to political pressure. I don't think they, they, there's no way they studied this thing long enough. Are you willing to put this in your body, Brian? Really? I am. Absolutely. I'm there. Uh, the only way to get back to normal. Uh, Eric, thanks so much. Appreciate the insight. Uh, what did you find out, uh, Allison? It said they found four people out of 22,000 in the vaccinated group developed Bell's palsy, about a 0.02% of the participants. This is consistent with the expected rate in the general population, and it's not a strong enough correlation to prove any casual connection between the vaccine and the condition. Got it. Uh, Joe was on WXJB. Hey, Joe. How are you, Brian? Good. Hey, just got a question. Um, Based on, you know, I constantly keep hearing that uh, his legal team does not have any evidence. And I I just heard you talk to Turley about that. And so my question is this. I mean, when you look at statistical facts, and that goes back to the evidence 
that there's normally about a 1.3 throwaway rate on these ballots. This year, uh, it was about point something, point two, point three. Yeah, they told me, and they got to hold you there, Joe. They told me in Georgia it's because people got so educated on the whole process because of the primaries. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. So it took a, a little maneuvering, and Kaylee McEnany really went to bat, and Mark Meadows went to bat, but the President of the United States, who is not happy with the election result, obviously, but has to be happy with the way his party did. Uh, when you look at state houses, the way they closed the gap in the House, and they shocked everyone. They're on the doorstep of holding on to the Senate in a year when they were supposed to lose it handily. Uh, when it came to his votes, he got 11 million more than anyone th- uh, thought. They said there's no way he's going to get more than last time. It was all the Russians. We impeached him. We had the Mueller report. And instead, he ends up with 11 million more than he had last time. But so far, he has not won this election. He has not given up. And after a crushing defeat hours before I talked to him, uh, here's what he said to me before the Army-Navy game on Saturday. Mr. President, the first sitting president to attend the Army-Navy game, Teddy Roosevelt, 1901. There's only been two other presidents that have have shown up for two for an Army-Navy game, Truman and Bush. You're the third. Why are you here? Well, I love football, but I love these two teams, and they're special, and they've been to the White House, and uh, we've given them awards because, you know, it's always the Commander-in-Chief Award. One of them's going to get it. Right. And uh, I've had a lot of fun, and the coaches are terrific people. You, uh, of everything you accomplished, you took over a military that was cut by 25%. Yeah. uh, That only had three brigades ready to fight and was out of bullets. What have you done in the four years since you, to change that? Entirely rebuilt military uh, like never before. New missiles and rockets and tanks and ships and planes. And we have the F-35s coming in by the hundreds, as you know. Uh, When I took over, we had a depleted military. We had no ammunition. I'll never forget a very overrated general coming to see me and saying, sir, we have no ammunition. I'm sorry. This is my first two days in office. Right. And I say, no president should ever have to hear that, and no president should ever be spied on either. You know, so we, we set a lot of records. But uh, we have a totally rebuilt, and our nuclear is now tippy-top, and just hope to God you never have to use it. Today, uh, the we found out late last night that uh, the Supreme Court would not hear the Texas case. It did not have standing, according to them. I so judge by judging by your tweets, you're very, uh, very disappointed in that. Is it over? No, it's not over. We keep going, and we're going to continue to go forward. We have numerous local cases where, you know, in some of the states that got uh, rigged and robbed from from us, uh, we won every one of them. We won Pennsylvania. We won Michigan. Uh, we won Georgia by a lot. We have a governor, a Republican governor, that's worse than a Democrat. He's terrible, and he's hurting Kelly and David very badly. The sen, the senators that are terrific people. Uh, but uh, in Wisconsin, as you know, we have a case going on as we speak. I mean, right. it's actually going on right now. So you have individual states happening right now. Oh, yeah, right we, now. we're doing individual but states. But on the 14th, they're going to certify. That's on the 6th, right. well, they transmit. We're gonna what con- does that do for you? I don't know. We're going to speed it up as much as we can, but you can only go so fast. They give us very little time. But we caught them, as you know, it's fraudulent, uh, dropping ballots, doing so many things nobody can even believe it, dead people voting, and all 
uh, far greater than the number of votes we need. Uh, the election was over at 10 o'clock in the evening. I had won. It was 97, 98 percent. All of the bookies all over the world were saying the election's over. They wouldn't even take bets on it. And then all of a sudden around 11 o'clock, ballots start getting dropped. You ever see the graph where you go like this and then it goes up to this guy? Tens of thousands of ballots were being illegally dropped. Uh, the machines are the worst. Uh, Dominion. Dominion. Nobody even knows who owns it. Uh, these machines are controlling our country. So it was a rigged election. It was a sh it was a really a, a sham and a shame. When you uh, when you look at this fight, though, you have 77 percent of Trump supporters who believe you won the election, according to a, yeah. a Fox poll. I've heard, I've heard there's, actually there's much a, higher numbers. There's, than a, that. there's a rally right now in Washington for that. Do you yeah. worry about the country being divided as if it goes to inauguration and they still feel that way and you still feel that way? No, I worry about the country having an illegitimate president. That's what I worry about. A president that lost and lost badly. This wasn't like a close election. Uh, you look at Georgia. We won Georgia big. We won Pennsylvania big. Uh, we won Wisconsin big. We won it big. But your guys we won all of these states. But do you think your legal team has proven that? Well, we don't. We never get a chance to prove it because a judge will say, "Well, I'm sorry, you don't have standing." Like, how about me? Texas and all of these states, uh, 18 or 19 altogether, they come in. Think how nice that is. Where they actually come in, and they say, "We want to support you, sir, because you're important to this country. We want to support you." They go in and they say the states don't have standing and I don't have. I'm president of the United States. I just got 75 million votes. The biggest number of votes in the history of our country ever gotten by a sitting president. I went from 63 million to 75 million, a 12 million vote difference. That's the biggest margin in history. They say if I got 67, the smartest people right. in the business, if I got 67 million votes, I couldn't lose. I got 75 million and they say I lost. I didn't lose. The election was rigged. By who? by the Democrats, and actually, interestingly, by the Democrats, but by local Democrats, meaning state Democrats. They outsmarted state Republicans. You know what I do? I do two things. I run a country, and we cut taxes, and we did all of the things, regulations, Space Force, right. all of the things the VA was taking care of, like 91 percent approval, all of the things I did. I ran a country, and we ran it great. We've done more than any other president. Then I have to campaign. We had the greatest campaign in history. We had the biggest crowds anyone's ever had. I did 56 rallies where the number of people were incredible, okay? Incredible, record-setting. And then I go home and I watch the television to see how we're doing. And by 10.30 in the evening, it was over, we won. I got calls from everybody saying, congrats, pros, people you know very well saying congratulations. I say, let's not go so fast. I don't trust these machines, right. and a lot of bad things happen with these people. And in essentially five or six states, the local people who run it rigged the election. And tens of thousands, remember they stopped the counting in the evening? Do you remember Georgia when they said, oh, we had a big flood? We had a pipeline break, a major water pipeline break. It turned out to be a false thing. And, and everybody, Brian, everybody ran out. They all ran out. Right. And what's, where's the pipeline? Guess what? There was no pipeline. That was the people where they took all of those ballots, all of those Biden ballots, right. under the table with the black dress, and they took them and they started shoving them into machine. What happened to this country is that we were like a third world country. And I, th I do worry about the fact, you know, you asked the question, illegitimate president. That's what I worry about. So let's, let's look at this. Let's play this out. If they continue to not have success in the courts, 
uh, and the six that get certified and transmitted, and the vice president, your Mike Pence, certifies it. Would you encourage the Republican lawmakers to stand up and protest then? Look, I just left Washington to go to the Army-Navy game. There are thousands and thousands of people out there. I had nothing to do with it. I didn't really know they were forming. They're forming. Oh, no, they I'm call it organic. Congressional no, no, no. I'm just saying the spirit, the liveliness, the, right. the whole thing, even the fundraising, the money that's pouring in to fight this. It's one thing to say, you know, you ran a great race. Congratulations. I'm okay with that. But they didn't. They didn't run a good race. They ran a horrible race from the basement. They ran a race where he didn't even run. But what they did is they cheated. They cheated like nobody's ever cheated before that we know of. Now, if you look at it, it's not even four or five states. It's five cities. Milwaukee, right? Detroit, Philadelphia, Atlanta. Take those Pittsburgh you could add. So it's five cities. It's four cities. It's even three cities because I don't need five. Just one second. They cheated like nobody's ever cheated before. And they got caught, just like the spying on my campaign got caught. They cheated like nobody's cheated before, and they got caught. So nobody can go in and say, oh, congratulations on running a good race. They didn't run a good race. They cheated. They dropped hundreds of thousands of ballots. Right. They did things that nobody's ever seen, and we caught them. But but your guys have been unable to prove it as of now. If something happens... Excuse me. We've proven it. But no judge has had the courage, including the Supreme Court. I am so disappointed in them. No judge, including the Supreme Court of the United States, has had the courage to allow it to be heard. The Supreme Court, all they did is say, we don't have standing. So they're saying, essentially, that the president of the United States and Texas and these other states, great states, they don't have standing. They didn't go into the evidence. If you would look at the evidence, thousands of pages of evidence, we have over a thousand affidavits from people that saw tens of thousands of ballots Gotcha. Gets good. No, but here's the point. They're try- They're winning these things on little technicalities, like a thing called standing. They're saying the president of the United States does not have standing. Right. So that's what was decided last night. So would you show up at the inauguration? Will you? Uh, well, I don't will- want to talk about that. I want to talk about this. We've done a great job. I got more votes than any president in the history of our country. In the history of our country, right? Not even close. 75 million. Far more than Obama. Far more than anybody. And they say we lost an election. We didn't lose. If I got 10 million fewer right. votes, they say I couldn't have lost. This is Just so you understand, they stuffed the... In a sense, it's a modern-day version of stuffing the ballot This boxes. has also been a historic week. Uh, number one, the vaccine's going to start rolling. What is going to be going through your mind as FedEx, UPS, those flights go to 600 separate sites in all 50 states, a vaccine rolling in? What's going to be going through your mind? If I wasn't president, according to almost everybody, even the enemy, if I wasn't president, you wouldn't have a vaccine for five years, okay? I pushed the FDA and companies and everybody else involved like nobody's ever been pushed before, and now you have it rolling out. And frankly, they could have done it last week. They could have even done it a week sooner, and they heard from me. But this has been a great really medical miracle. They call it a medical miracle. And uh, it's going to have a tremendous impact. 95% effective. We have Moderna coming out next week very soon. We have Johnson & Johnson, a one-shot vaccine coming out. All great companies. What about an aid package for the, pe- the American it's people? Moving along. What could you do to get the $900 billion out from well, Nancy Pelosi and Well, I want to do it. I'm McConnell. pushing it very hard. And to be honest with you, if the Democrats really wanted to do the deal, they do the deal. They should do it right now. I want to see checks going for more money than they're talking about. 
going to people. The Hunter Biden this week has confirmed two investigations on him, one on Jim Biden. You see, the word is you're disappointed that William Barr knew about this in the spring. Well, everybody is. Who isn't disappointed? Right. Joe Biden lied on the debate stage. He said there's nothing happening, nothing happening, and Bill Barr should have stepped up. I'll tell you what. Say what you want about Robert Mueller. When BuzzFeed put out a phony article, I think it was BuzzFeed, but BuzzFeed put out a phony article, Bob Mueller stepped out and he said that article was a phony and then it was ultimately proven no collusion. No, after two years, no collusion. But Bob Mueller stood up and he, he interjected that this article was false. Bill Barr should have done the same thing. Jonathan Turley said that uh, he had no choice, that he, he would have been like, it would have been like uh, James Comey again. All he had to do is say an investigation's going on. And by the way, I don't want to see anything bad happen to Hunter Biden. Whatever it is, it is the facts. But I don't want to see anything bad happen to Hunter Biden. And I purposely stay out of it. But when you affect an election, Bill Barr, frankly, did the wrong thing. When they are saying things, making statements, and the press is purposely not reporting it, Bill Barr, I believe, not believe, I know, had an obligation to set the record straight, just like Robert Mueller set the record straight. You know, he set it straight. A very bad thing was said, and it was a false article, a false statement, which, you know, usually they are with the, with the media. But this was a false statement. And Robert Mueller stood up, and he said, that is a false statement. And that was a great thing. I've got to go. Go get him. Thank Thanks you. Thank you very much, Thank you. President. Very Best luck. See you soon. Thank you. Yeah, so that was uh, my chance to talk to him. And, you know, obviously we did not talk about the Abraham Accords. There were some other things to talk about, too. But the other, also, I wanted to give the president an opportunity to speak out rather than a quick comment with hostile press, rather than a quick tweet uh, and the route of trying to get a vaccine out. We just got hacked by the Russians the other night. I mean, you, you do not believe it's on his plate on a regular basis, let alone fighting a virus. And a lot of people around him are making a zillion dollars, so they're looking elsewhere. And it must be tough to see a lot of people fighting with you and a lot of people heading for the hills. And I just want to give him a chance to, to speak out. But clearly, he is uh, getting he's pumped up for the Army-Navy game. He really feels like uh, he won this election. And he does not believe that Joe Biden is capable of doing this job. What do you think? one 866 I'll be back with you in just a moment. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Finally, a network that understands that real fans don't give up on their team, no matter what. Sportsmax gives you inside analysis from Jesperts, DeLuca, and Del Vecchio. Now, it's being reported that on November 29th, the Jets lost to the Dolphins 20-3. Lost? Says who? <laughs> I mean, that's how they scored it. Oh, who did it? Who did the score? The NFL. Oh, the NFL! Okay. All right, let's look at this logically, okay? Okay. Okay. Only a really bad team would only score three points in a football game. And the Jets are the greatest team ever. So something's not adding up here. You see? The whole house of cards collapses. 
So they're just trying to um, uh, have fun. Actually, this is the funniest thing I've seen on SNL in a while. Uh, they had Newsmax, which is keeps saying that the president won by a landslide. And they're just using it for an exaggeration. Uh, and they said, well, if Newsmax is going so well, we're going to, we're going to uh, have an offshoot called Sportsmax. And the Jets, in case you are not a sports fan, if you're on the list on WABC or WRCN, you know they are 0 and 13. I mean, they generally don't do very well. Right. It's been a while, uh, even though they're supposed to be better. Do you want to play some more of it? We have a little bit more. Now, the experts will tell you that the Jets lost to the Bills 18-10 back in October. Sounds like a done deal, right? No, and not so fast. Let's take a closer look at the numbers. If we dig in here, we'll see that after the first quarter, the Jets will win in a game 3-0. But then something very suspicious happens, right? Okay? The Bills start getting all these points out of God knows where. Either the Jets won't treat nothing or this whole game is rigged. <laughs> it's hysterical, right? I think it's... Fantastic. Very funny. They also say, you know, watch reruns of, uh, we'll play reruns of Jets games. You'll always see them winning. You'll never see a game where they lose. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, then they said Knicks, 100 years of greatness, which is anything but. Uh, Let's find out there's even more to know. More to know. Get this. Water equals happiness. People who drink six glasses of water daily are more optimistic, successful, and energetic, according to a study of 2,000 people uh, put together by Bosch Home Appliances. Respondents who drink at least six glasses of water, 41%, are most likely to agree with the statement, quote, I'm very happy. Conversely, only 12% of those drinking less than one glass of water per day say the same. Is there any holes in this study at all that you've been able to... I gave you uh, the whole weekend to come up with any problems with this study, Allison. Anything? No problem. It makes sense to me, though, right? If you're drinking more water, you're probably generally more aware of your health and things like that. Take care of yourself. Therefore, maybe less to be unhappy about. Well, hydrated people are also more likely to be successful and least likely to show up late for work. That makes sense. All of us hydrate very well here. Next. So I'll try to say this whole story. Ben Stiller and Janice Dean. Dan Janice Dean is our beloved weathercaster. She, uh, Ben Stiller, uh, actually deleted one actually and tweeted at her because Andrew Cuomo was getting was throwing a Christmas party and he could not believe they were throwing a Christmas party. Ben Stiller and all the celebrities were invited. So Janice Dean called him out and uh, on Twitter and Ben Stiller wrote Janice back. Nothing wrong with supporting a politician. As you know, the current president has been soliciting hundreds of millions to overturn an election, not for COVID relief. You wrote a book about spreading sunshine, apparently. You don't like the governor. I do. Don't be divisive. Bye. Janestine wrote, nothing wrong with criticizing a politician who likes to profit off the deaths of New Yorkers. He wrote a book about leadership. Remember that. You're right. I don't like the governor because his policies killed my husband's parents. Enjoy your fundraiser. Ben Stiller felt like a jerk. Deleted it. He wrote, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm not, in, I'm, I'm not into coming down on people. You called me out. We're all dealing with this. I believe we need to be less divisive. All the best. She put him in his place. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
Welcome, everyone, to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. From New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. We have a lot going on. Brett Bear at the bottom of the hour. But it's one of these exciting days you're going to remember forever. Uh, the vaccine is here. We also know that there's over 100,000 people hospitalized right now with this virus. And we're losing, uh, well, a couple of days last week, uh, a record 3,000 a day. So it's absolutely uh, something that's real. Number two is there's absolutely overshooting in terms of this shutdown. You're killing businesses, lives, and livelihoods unnecessarily. And I was able to speak to the President of the United States, his first interview uh, face-to-face since November 3rd. We were able to do with the Army-Navy game, and we'll play some of that. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. What you have is a situation today where the Bidens have repeatedly lied to the media. And the media doesn't care. They don't want to catch them in the lies. They don't want to pursue the lies. Peter Schweitzer knew the Hunter Biden story two years ago in a book. Biden investigation heats up as other outlets suddenly confirm what we all knew, that he's under investigation for tax evasion and more. This is a major story that leads to Joe. Number two. We've proven it, but no judge has had the courage, including the Supreme Court. I am so disappointed in them. No judge, including the Supreme Court of the United States, has had the courage to allow it to be heard. The Supreme Court, all they did is say, we don't have standing. The Trump legal fight slams into a brick wall today at noon when the Electoral College certifies November 3rd's results, declaring Joe Biden the winner. What he told me Saturday are his next steps, and he believes that Joe Biden is an illegitimate victor. Number one. Make no mistake, distribution has begun. Right now, boxes are being packed and loaded with vaccine with emphasis on quality control. We expect 145 sites across all the states to receive vaccine on Monday. So cool seeing military with private and public. Uh, we have General Gustav Perna. That, he's the chief oper- operating officer of Operation Warp Speed. I'm looking right now as live on television. Another nurse and medical physician is uh, getting the vaccine. Americans are beginning to be vaccinated. They want 100 million by the end of February. Why are so many now, though, becoming anti-vaxxers? And why lockdowns are irrational, only magnifying the pain and are ratcheting up the anger towards panicky politicians? And that's what really bothers me. Dr. Siegel joins us now. Uh, Dr. Siegel joins us now uh, from NYU. Dr. Siegel, welcome. Exciting day, right? Yeah, and what you just said in the buildup is what I wrote about in my book, COVID, the Politics of Fear of the Power of Science. It's how politicians try to posture and get in the way of the delivery of science. Today being one of the most historic days in the history of science, General Gus Perna correctly comparing it to D-Day. It's being called V-Day because this is where we start to stem the tide to fight back, like, like when we landed in, in Normandy. So, I mean, that, you know, that's the greatest day in American history. This is a great day, and this is a great vaccine. So what we have in terms of numbers, Pfizer's vaccine will have 145 distribution sites by this morning. I'm, I'm looking at two separate ones in New York City, one's on Long Island. 425 distribution sites by tomorrow, 66 sites by Wednesday, which is it's just, it's just a titanic mammoth event. So far, what are your indications, uh, Dr. Siegel? Is it work going well? So far, so good. It's actually been given to two healthcare workers at Northwell Health, a uh, critical care nurse, an emergency room physician, 
We're about to start here at NYU. I'm going to interview one of the first people that gets it here at NYU, one of the, our first healthcare workers. We're starting with emergency room physicians with critical care with ICU specialists and entire staff. Then we're going to expand it to everyone that takes care of adults with COVID. We expect to have the entire staff of, of NYU vaccinated by the end of January. It's going to be rolled out bit by bit. So far, so good. Very, very, very optimistic and exciting. So is there anything that concerns you, uh, number one, as a would-be patient? You're going to get this, right? I'm going to get it over the next couple of weeks. I'll, pr- I'll probably get it by the beginning of January. I'm not concerned in the slightest. I'll, I'll probably, you know, take a Tylenol, maybe take the day off. We're talking about a little bit of fatigue. Uh, and, you know, most, most of the symptoms of fatigue and headache, it lasts 24 hours. I studied this vaccine extensively. The actual active ingredient, the messenger RNA, only lasts a day or two, and it's out of your system. They, they've already studied, you know, uh, over, over 50,000 people have, gotten either, have been in clinical trials, either got the vaccine or the placebo. That's an incredible thing that over a 10-month period of time, Brian, we were able to vaccinate. We were able to vaccinate so many people in clinical trials. This is really unprecedented. Just the science behind this is unprecedented. Now we have to gear up and get it to everyone in the country. Doctor Siegel, could you tell us in layman's terms why didn't they try to pursue the antibody way? For example, you know, if I got if I got tested positive, I'd have the antibodies theoretically, and I'd be prevented from getting it. We think for nine months. Why didn't you guys pursue it that direction? Well, you mean in terms of in terms of testing or in terms of the vaccine? Well, it's like, for example, because they shoot the flu vaccine. They shoot the flu into you. Uh, you know, they shoot. Yeah, it. So yeah, why didn't they try yeah. shoot, shooting some of this, some COVID-19 into us? Well, that's a live virus vaccine. That's the one that has more side effects. They decided to go with what was advancing science. But Brian, this is the future of the science, because actually the, the body responds to this as though it is the virus. It literally signals the body to make the virus's protein, and your immune system thinks it's the virus. This is safer than using a live virus vaccine. Those are being tested to directly answer your question. We're testing all different kinds of vaccines, the inactivated vaccines. We're using other viruses to carry the payload. But the ones that seem to have the most robust immune response are these vaccines. This is the future of vaccines. All right, so we have 3 million going out across the country. So, Dr. Siegel, I'm sure you've seen this, that uh, that you have 34% of the people say they don't want to take it. You saw the two nursing staffs, one in Miami-Dade, one in New Jersey this summer said 49% said they wouldn't take it. And people are saying if nurses don't want to take it, why should I? We're going to overcome that. The latest survey showed that 83% of healthcare workers want to want to take it. A lot of institutions are going to mandate that healthcare workers take it. If you want to put patients at risk, if you want to put yourself at risk, I think we're going to be a great group, a poster group, to get out to the country and say we took it, we recovered from it. We had we may, maybe we felt under the weather for one day. Now we're protected for, against COVID. Maybe elderly people. You know what else is going to be a poster group for this, Brian? Nursing homes. 99% of nursing homes are getting the vaccine delivered to them today. 99%. That's 40% of the deaths from COVID occur in nursing homes. If we get all nursing homes across the country vaccinated, we're going to stamp down the death rate from COVID by up to 40%. That will have an impact, and that will make everybody want to line up. Before Christmas. But you need that second shot, correct? Yeah, there's no question about that. Because Two reasons. First of all, you get 53% in the early trials from the first shot. But also, we don't know if the, second sh- if the first shot wears off if you don't get that booster. The booster cements your immune response and brings you to 95%. We need everybody to get the two shots. Dr. Siegel, you got to go do television. Thanks so much for helping our, our radio audience understand what's going on.
My pleasure, Brian. See you tomorrow. You got it. Uh, Meanwhile, here's uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services Alex Azar on Face the Nation yesterday on that same topic. Cut four. We'll be getting CVS and Walgreens vaccinating our nursing home people. Almost 100% of our nursing homes have signed up with that program for a turnkey vaccination operation. You know what's amazing? When will that start it, it can start really any day. The vaccines are going out as soon as they receive vaccine. Uh, this is according to the governors telling us to ship to them. We could have every nursing home patient vaccinated in the United States by Christmas. That's pretty amazing. So the other thing we have to look at is starting to slam into the coast. I'm on the East Coast. So I was out in the West Coast uh, three weeks ago. Uh, they are basically all boarded up anyway. They're ready for this hit. They are ill-prepared. They have a terrible governor who just goes in th- goes in goes into the face of all his policies. You know, last week it came out that his companies, which evidently is in a blind trust, got millions of dollars in PPP loans. Really, at the same time, he's telling us don't go anywhere, locked in place, while he's going out to dinner. Here's Dr. Scott Gottlieb on the good news for the Midwest. My fingers are crossed. Cut seven. We are seeing some signs that there is a slowing of new cases in the parts of the country that were hit hardest the first, which is particularly the Midwest and the West. So cases are likely to continue to increase through the end of December into early January. We're likely to see a peak at some point in January, but the burden on the hospital system is going to continue for another three weeks past that. Yeah, and it's going to be tough. But what the president of the United States says, the answer is going to be in therapeutics, going to be in the vaccine. We could talk about destroying everyone's lifestyle. Democratic governors especially enjoy doing this because they think it's great leadership. I think it's terrible leadership. Go get roll up your sleeves, walk these blocks, have your restaurants association walk these blocks, have uh, have your chamber of commerce coordinate with small business. And together you could police each other towards the same goal, making it secure for customers. Instead, with under two percent infection rate, they shut down all indoor dining in New York City. Unbelievable. On Christmas, usually slows down in January. You destroyed any hope they had of being able to survive their business. And by the way, while we're talking about lockdowns and Operation Warp Speed, you're not going to get this on the other channels. There's somebody that deserves credit for this. It's the man who's overseeing this. A man who said waiting four years or two years for a vaccine is not acceptable. It is Donald Trump. Here's Senator Ron Johnson, a businessman who was successful first and then became a politician second. Cut eight. First of all, President Trump deserves a lot of credit. Uh, Secretary Azar for Operation Warp Speed, the Senate, in providing billions of dollars uh, to produce a vaccine while it was being tested and approved. So now once it's approved, it can start shipping immediately. So that was a brilliant uh, operation from my standpoint. And I hope it is as safe and effective as it certainly seems to be. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll talk about that, and I'll take your calls, 1-866-408-7669. I also want to talk about what's going on with this Hunter Biden investigation. On this very show, I'll pretend like you haven't heard it before. We talked about Hunter Biden, his investments in China, his investments in Ukraine, his investments in Romania, as well as Moscow. And we had some of the leading intelligence experts, from Michael Hayden uh, to the former ambassador to Russia, Michael McFaul, Hoover Institute guy, like like him a lot, all come out and say this is all Russian disinformation. When we had emails showing it wasn't, when there was a book by Peter Schweitzer proving it wasn't, but it didn't matter. It was frozen by the big tech, Twitter, Facebook, and everything else, YouTube. And therefore, the story never went anywhere. 
Now the AP is confirming a subpoena seeking documents from Hunter Biden asking for information related to more than two dozen entities, including Ukraine gas company Burisma. You remember them, right? The breadth of the subpoena issued Tuesday underscores the wide-angle lens prosecutors are taking as they examine the younger Biden's finances and international business ventures. And you factor in Tony Bobulinski meeting with Vice President, former Vice President Biden, Two years ago at the the Milken Institute luncheon, which is all documented and shown, and you see that this guy was involved. The vice president was involved. Then you find out that Hunter Biden requested keys for new office mates, this guy named Joe and Jill Biden, and the Chinese emissary to CEFC. He was the chairman of the time. That is a Chinese Communist Party linked to their energy company. Okay. His uncle, Jim Biden, also requested a key. So please don't tell me they're not in business together. Now Hunter Biden email showing this. Thanks to Tom Fitton's company, their, uh, their Freedom of Information Act request, Hunter Biden reportedly was warned that he approximately didn't forgot to pay income tax on $400,000 in uncollected income tax from the Ukrainian natural gas company Burisma Holdings back in 2014. In a memo dated January 2017, one of the multiple new emails show that he was being reminded of paying those taxes. So is he going to be allowed to amend those taxes? Is he going to cut a deal? And is this going to go away? It's hard to imagine his dad would allow a special counsel or a U.S. attorney to pursue his son, especially when it leads to him. When we come back, I'll take your phone calls. I hope you're able to follow this. For many of you who listen to the show, this is a review. We've been over this. Brian Kilmeade Show. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. These are the people, this is the business that the Bidens were fully in bed with, uh, again, setting up an office with, to have the emissary, Gong Wan Dong, get a key to that same office. So we are finding more and more of, of how involved not only Hunter Biden was, but also James, as well as Joe Biden. And he has not been truthful with the American public. And it's about time the press starts asking him questions. And as I said before this election, this is not going away. This is a big mess. It's going to be a bigger mess if it becomes a Biden presidency. And that looks like the way we're headed. And right now they're beginning to certify the vote, I understand. Or I'm see, think I'm seeing some video now that they're beginning to certify the vote with the Electoral College. I'm not sure Stephen Miller indicated that there's some electors that will show up and vote for Trump. So I'm sure that'll be a little chaotic if that happens. The president's not giving up. In fact, Stephen Miller told us January 20th is the day they're worried about. I'm like, wow, 20, January 20th. We wait up to that. He thinks they have all the way up to January 20th uh, to present their case and overturn so far, we think is a is a win for Joe Biden, but we'll have to see. So what Ron Johnson was just saying, and this is what matters. Hunter Biden had a substance problem, international business uh, person. He's a lawyer. I do not know what he does or what great investment knowledge he has. Is he Warren Buffett where everyone's got to invest with him because they got to grow their money? 
or is he using his name to get influence and money in order to change that for access? There are emails saying that you want to go meet my partner, that they're going to go meet the vice president, that they did the, the former vice president when he was vice president. They said that there could have been a time where they met, but it wasn't on his formal schedule. He said he didn't know anything about his, his son's business, but he's golfing with his son, this guy Devin Archer, who's now in jail. And then the Burisma executive he goes and meets with and reportedly has lunch, not denied by the Biden people. And now we find out he's requesting keys to, he's requesting keys for him and his wife, Joe and Jill Biden, along with this Chinese executive to work in the same office. How much longer are we supposed to buy the fact that the Biden people say he knew nothing about his son's business? This is a joke. Incredible. Uh, Matt, listen to Coral Springs, Florida. Hey, Matt. Hey, Brian. Uh, My question is, when do you think Joe Biden, assuming he takes office, which I think he will, will pardon Hunter and James Biden? I just want to know the date. Very interesting. Money down on this. I mean, why would he do it, though? Uh, Because he keeps saying over and over again, they're guilty. They're innocent. They have never done anything. My son, I'm very proud of my son. Yeah. And you think he means that Uh, Mr. Sincerity himself. But how about this, Matt? This is what I've been told by legal experts, so Jonathan Turley and other people, that if you appoint, if if William Barr appoints a special counsel to look into these financing, to, to this whole case, this is already under investigation, that to do it, it would be akin to President Trump firing Mueller. Now, as much as I am a President Trump fan and supporter, I think he's done a real good job. If he had fired Mueller, it would have been a disaster. Do you agree with that? Yes, I do. So it would be the same thing. So if Barr has a special counsel looking into this, that's what he'd do with Durham. You fire Durham. It's just like Trump firing Mueller. You could do it, but the whole world makes you look as guilty as sin. So that's why I look for William Barr to do that. So we'll keep our eye on that and hope to get your call again. Thanks so much for the call. Uh, they're being to certify the election, it seems. We'll keep up to date on that. We're also getting reports of uh, different emails coming out on Hunter Biden shows a $400,000 uh, uh, check uh, deposit. Never paid taxes on it. That could be a problem. Is it a matter of just playing catch up from something that happened in 2014? I'm not sure they'd be that forgiving to me. When we come back, we're going to talk to Brett Baer about that as well as something we have not discussed. Governor Cuomo's sexual harassment charges by a long-term colleague. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I was disappointed that the president lost, and I understand the disappointment in the party among some people for losing that election. But we need to face the facts. Elections have consequences, and in the same way Democrats were horribly disappointed by Donald Trump's victory four years ago over Hillary Clinton um, in, in, a, in what was actually a closer election than this one from a popular vote perspective and the same margin uh, from an electoral college perspective, Republicans now need to say, thank you, Mr. President, for your service. Thank you for the good things you did while you were in office that we agree with. And we now need to move on to make sure that we're stating Republican principles that matter to the people of this country, which, by the way, Martha, they supported in very large numbers. 
But by the way, just a couple of things. Chris Christie's my favorite, uh, certainly on other channels. But, and he always says it like it is, and he has to oftentimes be the only, he doesn't mind it, uh, the only one ever defending the president who he's friends with. But what Chris Christie does not bring up is that from 2016 on, most Democrats never acknowledged he was a legitimate president. John Lewis and others boycotting his, uh, his inauguration, saying that the Russians put him there. And you have Hillary Clinton, who never even acknowledged she lost. I won the popular vote. I'll beat him again. I mean, and it, by the way, she doesn't look good in doing it, but that's a fact. Brett Baer joins us now. He never loses. He does not know what it's like to lose. But he joins us now to offer his analysis on one of the biggest news days from the vaccine to the Electoral College certification to the president continuing to fight, continuing to fight on, and the Hunter Biden, uh, Biden revelations that are emerging. Brett, welcome. Hey, Brian. So first off, on, on uh, the certification of the Electoral College. What changes? Yeah, I mean, those votes are um, those votes are ticking in now, and by the end of the day, there it will be official. The electors will have voted uh, to elect Joe Biden, the 46th president of the United States. The official official thing that takes that vote and makes it uh, on the floor of Congress happens January 6th. But today is pretty official, and I think. What you're starting to see from even some Trump supporters is this acknowledgement that uh, the legal challenges have run their course. The Wall Street Journal uh, uh, editorial board with the Trump's challenge is over. You're hearing Chris Christie and others say it's time to, to move the fight, to hold on to to principles, and ideally, from the Republicans' point of view, hold on to the Senate, which is really important in the Georgia runoffs January 5th. Here is what the president said. Uh, I asked him, are you going to continue to fight on? And here's what he said, cut 15. Do you worry about the country being divided as if it goes to inauguration and they still feel that way and you still feel that way? No, I worry about the country having an illegitimate president. That's what I worry about. A president that lost and lost badly. This wasn't like a close election. Uh, You look at Georgia. We won Georgia big. We won Pennsylvania big. Uh, We won Wisconsin big. We won it big. So... You know, obviously, he feels as though the mail-in batting surged the vote, and a lot of those things uh, do not add up for him. And he believes that a lot of them were illegal ballots or double voting or dead people voting. You've heard that, but has not stood up in court. No. And listen, Brian, I mean, his answer to that is that judges have not given him and his legal team the standing to make the case in court. But that is not true. Uh, in just in Wisconsin, a Trump appointed judge said, fine, I will give you the standing. Let's go forward with the stipulations and call witnesses uh, to the evidence that you say the Wisconsin vote is fraudulent. And when push came to shove, the Trump legal team said nothing about election fraud. They did not call any witnesses. Um, Andy McCarthy has a great piece about the judge specifically calling for the evidence. And they didn't come. They talked about big, you know, esoterical issues about elections overall and what what the legal implications are. But they did not talk about hard evidence. And that was the problem in all of these cases. And um, so, listen, the legal challenges, once you got through Texas at the Supreme Court, uh, they're, they're kind of going by the wayside here. Pennsylvania, even on that big issue of the constitutionality uh, from the state constitution of mail-in ballots, did not take it up. Um, The the legal challenges are are coming to an end. 
And um, and the question is, what happens in the next month, and uh, how the president deals with that? He does not like to lose. No one does, but he especially doesn't. Couple and, of things. Uh, the, the, here's what here's what bothers him most. So I talked to him offline. I talked to him Saturday, and fundamentally, I walked away with this. He says, "Oh, wait a second. You saw what I did with the crowds." You saw what happened with the state houses. You saw what happened with the House. You saw that defying uh, all experts, defying all experts, were on the cusp of holding the Senate. You saw that I got 11 million more votes despite the Mueller report went on for two years and an impeachment and a pandemic. I still outstripped him, but they did this wild thing called mail-in balloting, unsolicited ballots in many of these states, and my early victories turn into late losses. I don't get it. No one can effectively explain it, and these judges won't hear it. That's his mindset, Brett. And- no, I get it, and I get the argument. However, the judges did hear it, uh, the substance of it in Wisconsin, for example. Uh, in other places, they, they heard it and didn't see the evidence enough to turn over the vote, the numbers. And he says, I got 74 million votes, more than I got last time. Uh, yes, but Joe Biden got 80 million votes and more people voted this time that is that's something that can happen and here's what rudy so i asked him are you done and he says i'm not done and then rudy giuliani said this saturday about his next strategy tell me what you think cut 22 well i think that you know the strongest piece of evidence are the 1000 affidavits from all different witnesses in six different states that all basically say the same thing they go anywhere from one act of voter fraud to uh 50,000 acts of voter fraud then you have the uh, statistical analysis of the machines that are done by experts that say they couldn't possibly have produced that number of ballots in that period of time. You have the 700,000 ballots in, in, uh, in Pennsylvania of mail, mail-in ballots that were f- sent in but never sent out. In other words, they were made up. You have uh, 60,000 dead, dead people voting in uh, in one, in one state, you have 40,000 dead people voting in another state. You have uh, people who aren't uh, citizens in, uh, voting in Arizona. More than enough citizens that goes way beyond the margin. So, so of, he's of so he's uh, he's actually going to push in through in, in all those few other states of those same things. What's going to be different? Anything? I, I don't I don't think so. I mean, in court, they're not producing all of these things that, that he's saying. They may have. Them, but once you put it in court, you run the risk of your own law license, and perhaps that's why they're not doing it. I don't know. Um, I think Sidney Powell had some filings that really raised questions from some judges. She said she had a military um, intelligence officer. The guy turned out he wasn't a military military intelligence officer. And so my point is they were sloppy in the filings, the legal filings, and no judge yet has on the substance seen enough to overturn an election, and the Supreme Court is not getting involved. So the legal challenges are coming to an end. If they were going to make the case on the House floor, um, I, I just don't see the numbers where they can turn this over. I think it's, I think it is done. So a couple of things. I've never seen it, and you might want to educate me on this, but I'm watching all the, the Sunday shows, and they're all admitting that the vaccine is this exciting thing that's happening, and what a great medical yeah. accomplishment. What are they missing from all those stories, Brett? Context of what they were saying just months ago. I mean, a lot of the same channels were saying it's impossible. It is preposterous. <laughs> that was one quote. It, it would take a miracle for 
a vaccine to be administered before the end of the year. You know, as these shots were taking them live in these different states of these healthcare workers getting the shots, yes, everybody's celebrating the science that got us there, but it was also the administration and the president that got us there. And they are not acknowledging that, nor are they acknowledging the fact that they were way off in their naysaying early on. And even Joe Biden coming up last week and say, well, they don't really have much detail about how this is going to get delivered. They didn't even brief him yet. And I'm saying to myself, why is he getting a pass on this? Hey, excuse me, is anyone ask a question? One question. Did you get briefed on what the plan is? The answer would have been no. Then why are you saying that there's no details? Say you don't know the details, but the military with the private sector, with the public sector, uh, at least if you really believe you are president-elect, could you be cheering for that to happen? Well, the, and the other thing is, is that other networks took only uh, Vice President Biden's speech. Uh, the one day it was opposite the White House coronavirus vaccine summit at the White House. Uh, so they only took the Biden thing where he pledged 100 million doses in the first 100 days. Well, if you listen to the rollout of the guys from CVS and all the drugstores and FedEx and all of the things that are logistically happening, they're already planning for 100 million doses in 100 days, Joe Biden or not. And, um, you know, it just seems like there's a disconnect there and that uh, they're trying to overtake, you know, what is not credit to be given. So this must really irk you more than most, because you might say that people could stack their stories differently. OK, I think this is the number one story, of the vaccine, or I think that the Electoral College is the number one story. That's different. But when you ignore a story and freeze a story like the New York Post had, and it makes no sense. It involves the family of the sitting vice, the former vice president who wants to be the next president. And then you say, well, if you play this out and read this story, the emails reveal and and this key witness, Tony Bobulinski, whose background has not been challenged yet, but has been looked at. His credibility has not been challenged, I should say. And you say this this actually has a one-on-one meeting with the man who wants to be president. They said, no, we can't have this. Now they're running through the story as if they just got it because Hunter Biden has confirmed that he's being investigated on at least two different uh, from at least two different jurisdictions for internationally and nationally about some of his investments. And emails reveal him requesting keys to the office for this guy named Joe, his dad and Jill, his stepmom and a Chinese energy executive. Now people are discovering this story, Brett. Have you ever seen anything like it? No. Never. I, I, it, it's pretty amazing. And as you get further and further along, and, and there's still an effort to not cover it as much. Um, you know, I, I saw one cable prognosticator say that the proportion is gone of, you know, social media, you know, everything is the same and, and cable news overdoes it on one story or another. And it's just so ironic that after Russia for three years, that that is the perspective now on the Hunter Biden story, that they're trying to keep it in in, you know, perspective as, as its newsworthiness. You're going to have a president who comes in and whoever the AG is, is going to have to deal with the fact that the DOJ is investigating the president's son. That's not an easy position. And it seems like the story writes itself. But um, we'll see. Yeah, I want to bring you to the one cut that the president went over, and he is really upset with William Barr. And, you know, uh, legally, uh, Jonathan Turley, Trey Gowdy, among others, said that he did the right thing 
in not uh, tell, revealing that there was a uh, not revealing that there was a uh, investigation into Hunter Biden at the time before the election. And so let's listen to him. Do we have that cut, Eric? All right, we're still looking for it. Uh, but basically, yeah, you don't have the cut. Yeah, it is good conspiracy. How dare they freeze it? Thank you, Twitter. Uh, big tech. But basically, he says, how dare William Barr not do it? Not ex- why, why didn't he do what Robert Mueller did? And then when BuzzFeed had that phony story out, Robert Mueller broke his silence. Listen. Joe Biden lied on the debate stage. He said there's nothing happening, nothing happening. And Bill Barr should have stepped up. I'll tell you what. Say what you want about Robert Mueller. When BuzzFeed put out a phony article, I think it was BuzzFeed, but BuzzFeed put out a phony article, Bob Mueller stepped out and he said that article was a phony and then it was ultimately proven no collusion. No, after two years, no collusion. But Bob Mueller stood up and he, he interjected that this article was false. Bill Barr should have done the same thing. So I brought up to him that Jonathan Trolley says differently and he says, no, that's what he should be doing. What do you think this relationship is going? I hope the president does not fire a guy that I consider his MVP. Yeah, listen, I mean, if you listen to Turley and, and Gowdy and others, uh, they'll say that, that what Barr did was protect those investigations so that they could not fall apart because they were being undue influence uh, from above or uh, became the focus. He also didn't want to become Jim Comey. Um, and was desperately trying and put out memos well before 2020 to keep the DOJ out of out of politics. That said, um, obviously had that this revelation been confirmed. Now, we had sources telling us that the, there was a federal investigation, but we were the only ones doing it. And um, and, you know, it wasn't widely covered at all. I mean, it was blacked out. Uh, so had it been covered, it would have been a, a different scenario. Would it have changed the election? I don't know. Um, but I, I do know that the president's expressing a lot of angst about Bill Barr. I, I think, you know, with a month left, um, it sounds like he's going to finish out the term. Uh, Brett, have you named your panel yet? We do have uh, Mara Lyason. We have uh, Ben Dominich and Byron York. All right. Uh, tonight. And uh, it should be good. It'll be um, we've got a lot of news today and uh, a lot to cover. And how's your son doing? Uh, he's great. Paul is home uh, from the hospital after his fourth open heart surgery. And uh, it was a complex one, but recovery is happening and um, slow but steady. But but he's doing well. And his spirits are good. Yeah, I mean, he's going back to virtual school, so that kind of sucks. But um, other than that, he's doing great. Wow, that's awesome. What you guys have been through is, is amazing. Uh, so the I'm doctors so... and nurses at Children's National, and, and if you think, you know, in the middle of this pandemic, these hospitals operating in the middle of this and doing what they do, it's really unbelievable, really unbelievable. I hear you. Uh, Brett, thanks so much. That's the best news I've heard in a while. Uh, Brett Bear, thank <laughs> you. Man. Go get him. Yeah. Uh, back with your calls and wrap up this hour. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis because, man, do you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. We just got kicked off the flight. 
because our two-year-old would not put on a mask and we tried and they're sending all of our bags and Adeline's car seat to New York because a two-year-old would not put on a mask. So that is so unbelievable. United Airlines kicks off a husband, wife, and their daughter, their two-year-old daughter, because she couldn't get a mask on. They say you have to leave. They also say you had to leave your car seat and your luggage. So you're off the plane, no car seat with your two-year-old, not to wear a mask. We also know kids don't transmit. And, and even if someone complained, I'd go, I'm sorry, I am not going to make that two-year-old put a mask on. I will refund your money personally. But no one was complaining. The other part, the father was holding a mask over her face, but that wasn't good enough. That Crazy. Was, it's insane. And then they're stuck at the airport because they didn't get the car seat back. We have another little clip of the mom. She was on Fox and Friends with Ainsley this morning. We did get a reach out from United uh-huh. on Saturday. Um, they called to see if we got our bags, how Adeline was doing. And then they just proceeded to tell us that they're investigating the situation to see okay. if not us, but if our two-year-old daughter is banned from United. What? Yep. Insane. <laughs> Oh, my God. What is wrong with these people? United's going to pay a price for this. They, do they have anybody in media relations there? They're they already struggling. I mean, they're already charging nothing to fly because they need people. Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.